it is really, really great to, to be together. If you've got your Bibles, if you can turn to Ephesians chapter one, if you want to kind of follow on with what we're going to be reading, just while you're finding your way there. Um, I had a moment in, in the week where I was preparing for this morning and I went out for a walk and I was just praying and really seeking God, thinking, God, I've got this time set aside today to come and prepare my sermon. Uh, would you be speaking to me? I really want to hear what you're saying. And I was just walking around and I was just praying this, God, I really want to hear what you're saying. And I just felt like I wasn't really hearing anything. And then in the midst of that, I heard a bird. I was walking around the wreck and I heard a bird singing in the trees and it caused me to stop. And I just thought, hang on a minute, I'm just going to enjoy this moment that I'm in. I'm not going to try and force anything here. I'm just going to enjoy the moment that I'm in. I'm going to, uh, and I just walked and I heard the birds singing and, I, and it was beautiful sunshine. And I just really enjoyed that. And it sounds very similar to what Lucy was sharing. It was amazing when hearing Lucy share what, what she did, because I knew what I wanted to share this morning. And it sounds like it was very much a similar experience. And it just made me stop. And I just wanted to stop and enjoy the goodness of, of that moment. And, and really just felt God's goodness within that and it made me think we've been talking a little bit it's been mentioned there's a book uh, that a few of us are reading called the ruthless elimination of hurry and one of the things it says in there is that one of the dangers of hurry or what hurry does is it can stop us from entering the goodness of the moment and isn't that true where we're hurrying around we can actually miss what is going on and that's exactly I was at risk of doing that and it was coming from a good place. I was so desperately seeking God. God, what is it that you want to say? And yet in that moment, I just felt like him to say, just enjoy the moment of what is going on. And that can be true in all aspects of life where we can miss maybe because we're hurrying around. But it really made me think, actually, when it comes to our, our walk with God, when it comes to the way in which we engage with him, the way in which we engage with others, the way in which we engage with the work to which he's called, actually, we can potentially be so busy doing that we don't really enter into the goodness of what he's done for us and rest in that place. And the reason why I say that is because last week, uh, Pete so helpfully introduced us to our new series where we're working through the book of Ephesians. Uh, and it was great to be able to have that sort of unhurried time to just read through the letter together. Uh, but also Pete introduced the series and he said that we're calling it Sick, Sit, Walk, Stand. Uh, and it's based on a book by Watchman Nee and in his really his study of Ephesians. And in there, he talks about how actually if we look through the, the flow of Ephesians or the, the pattern of Ephesians, it starts off the first three chapters are all about us sitting, resting in what it is that God has done for us, entering into the goodness of that before chapter four onwards. It speaks about walking. This is what God has called us to do. This is what a life lived for Jesus looks like. But it starts from that place of sitting and then we walk and then we'll discover later on that we stand as well. And I just really felt it's so helpful for us just to think, actually, we don't want to be so busy rushing around and doing that we don't enter into the goodness of what God has done for us or spend time in there. So we're going to read together. We're going to read from uh, the start of Ephesians chapter one. We're going to read the first 14 verses and it says this, Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, 
according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, Steph and I were in the car with Isaac the other day and uh, our son Isaac, and he asked us the question, just came out of nowhere. He said, uh, why did Jesus die on the cross? And we're learning to kind of take these moments where they're asking, where the children are asking questions. We're like, well, let's take these moments to uh, kind of see where these conversations go. And he asked this question, why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus die? And Steph said, Jesus died so that uh, we could become part of God's family. And just this, you could just hear this kind of astonishment in his voice. He went, we can be part of God's family? And we were like, yeah, you can be part of God's family. And then he said, uh, but he didn't stay dead, did he? He came back to life. And then we had a conversation then around, uh, around that. And uh, actually, when we look at these verses in Ephesians that we've been reading through, we get an answer to Isaac's question. Why did Jesus die? And why did he rise again? And Paul unpacks it for us. And it, this is, there is so much in here that is full of truth and goodness for us. And the reality of who we have been made in Christ. In the original Greek, verses 3 to 14 are all one sentence. It's all one sentence. And it's almost as if Paul is just, he's just pouring out what is in his heart he's not even stopping to catch his breath and it's just beautifully crafted uh coming together and you know sometimes when someone's really excited you almost have to say look just just slow down a little bit i'm trying to catch what you're saying but it's like paul's just pouring out what is on his heart and last week ian and carrie introduced that song for us as a church about the goodness of god and we one of the lines is i'm going to sing of the goodness of god and really that's what paul is doing here this is Paul just praising God, and, and it's a prayer of, of praise and worship. And that's what we're going to kind of spend a bit of time exploring together today. Now, when in, in my time of preparation, as I say, there's a lot in, in here, and I'm trying to work out what is it that we want to touch on and what to draw out. And, and what I did, I did a few, a, a few lists. I wrote a list of what, does, what do these verses say about us? What is true of us that these verses tell us? But then also, what does Paul tell us that is true of him? Tells us that is true of God. And I'm not going to focus on any one specific thing this morning, but we're going to kind of look at it and almost do a bit of a, a blanket over all of it and think that I feel that there's something in particular that God has just emphasized and laid on my heart that I just want to draw our attention to. So what do these verses say that is true of us? What does it say about us? These verses say that for those who are in Christ, they have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. 
in the heavenly places. Not one or two, but every spiritual blessing. Paul says that we have been chosen before the foundation of the world for a purpose so that we are to be holy and blameless before him. Paul tells us that we've been adopted as sons and daughters brought into God's family. He goes on again and tells us that we have been blessed. He tells us that we've received redemption, forgiveness of our sins. He tells us that we've been lavished with grace, not just a little bit of grace dripped on us, but lavished with grace. He says that for us, the mystery of God's will has been made known to us. It says that we've been united in him, to him and to others. It says that, we've been, that we have obtained an inheritance. Paul tells us that we, when we heard and believed that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, he's the guarantee of our inheritance that will be possessed. That is a lot of glorious truth about the reality of, of, of what is true for us when we are in Christ that Paul has almost just, just brought together in these few short verses here. But here's the thing, what stood out to me as I was reading that, what seems inescapable to me is that as we look at what is true of us, is this, is that it is all God's initiative and it is all accomplished in him. Because when we look at my list where this is true of us and this is what, the, what Paul says about him, when we look at what Paul says about God, what Paul says about Jesus, it says this. It says that we have been blessed with every, every spiritual blessing in Christ. That it is in him that we were chosen before the foundation of the world. That in love we were chosen and adopted as sons and daughters through Jesus. That we have been blessed in the beloved. That we've received redemption, forgiveness of sins through Jesus' blood. It's him who's done it according to the riches of his grace. It says that we've been lavished with grace in all wisdom and insight. Whose wisdom and insight? Not ours, but God's wisdom and insight. It says that the mystery of God's will has been set forth in Christ. It's not us. It's in Christ. It says that in him, in him, we've obtained an inheritance and that he works all things according to the counsel of his will. That he is the one who promised us the Holy Spirit, that he is the one who sealed us with the Holy Spirit. So can you see as we're reading through and hearing what Paul is saying, there's all these wonderful truths of God's grace and God's goodness that he's poured out upon us. But it is all his initiative. It is all accomplished in him. He's not reluctant. Isn't that good news? God is not reluctant to pour out his goodness on us. He's not reluctant to save us. And it's all according to his will and according to his purpose. It's not random. God is not impulsive or reactionary. It's not like he's been faced with a, a problem and he's like, oh, quit. I've got to scramble and, and just try and find a way, uh, just try and bring a solution here. What can we try? It's not that he has taken a chance in the hope that things would work out. That is not the case at all. He works out all things according to the counsel of his will, according to the riches of his grace, in all wisdom and in all knowledge. 
even if we just take one of these where it says about when we were chosen, it says before the foundation of the world, you were chosen. That doesn't sound impulsive or reactionary to me. That sounds like God has always been in control. It sounds like God has always had a plan. It sounds like God has always had his heart turned towards those which he has created. And God does have a plan. We go back to Isaac's question. Why did Jesus die and why did he come back to life? It's because God had a plan. If you've been engaging in the take a step stuff that we've been doing, when we looked at the three circles tool, one of the, the starting points of the three circles is for us to recognize that we live in a broken world. As we look around us, we see brokenness. And God's plan is this. God's plan, Paul tells us in these verses, is that God's plan is to unite all things in Jesus to make new what had been broken. He explains that again in, in his letter to the Colossians in Colossians chapter one. He says that uh, he, he says that uh, by him and through him and for him, speaking of Jesus, all things were created. He's the one who holds all things together, things in heaven and things on earth, all principalities and powers and rulers. And Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again in order to reconcile all things to himself in heaven and on earth. I heard it put like this, that the cross of Christ is the central axis for the history of creation. It's the center point, the focal point for the whole of creation, because it's there that everything changed. And God has united and reconciled all things to himself through Jesus. But he's also united the church in himself. You see, he reconciles us to Christ, but he also reconciles us to one another. And this is one of the central themes of the, of the letter to the Ephesians. One of the main emphasis that Paul wants to draw the church's attention to is this, is that, yes, you've got God's people, you've got the Jews, and you have the Gentiles, those who are non-Jews, and yet in Christ they have been united together in him. That when there was once separation and hostility in Christ, they have been united and reconciled in him. And we'll understand and see more of that later on in the letter as we go. <coughs> but Paul also tells us, he says that God has this plan, but he also tells us that we, he has made us a part of this plan. We have a part to play within that. See, having said that this is all God's initiative, it's all accomplished in him, that is absolutely right. But there is something that we do. There is something that we are called to do. Paul tells us this in, uh, in verse 13. What is it that we do in all this? We hear and we believe. That is what we do. We hear and we believe. And for all of us, that journey will look different. We'll all have different questions that we want answering. We'll have different things that we wrestle with. We'll all have different sort of barriers that maybe we have to work through. They'll all be when we're counting the cost of what it means to follow Jesus. That will look different for all of us. So our journey might look different. But there is only one way to be saved. There is no different criteria for one person to another. There is no different criteria for one group of people to another salvation comes on the basis of what of hearing 
and believe it. Everything that Paul pours, uh, pours out in this letter that is now true of us in Christ and so much more that we, that we see revealed throughout scripture, all of that has been given to us. All of that has been credited to us on the basis of what? Of hearing and believing in what Jesus has done. This is a gift to be received. This is a gift to be received. And it's true, whether in Paul's writing, he says, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, he says, for those of us who were first to believe, but also to those who were, who were later to hear, speaking about the Gentiles and believe, the same thing is true of them. They've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. See, this is what grace is all about. Grace means that what we have received, what we have been given is not earned or deserved. And hasn't that been the theme of what we've been, been worshipping God for this morning? And, and the theme of what God has been stirring our hearts with this morning? And what we've been worshipping him for and praising him for? It's nothing that we've done or earned or deserved. It is a gift of grace according to his will and his purpose. And God's will for believers, Paul tells us in these early stages of this letter, Paul tells us that, uh, that God's will for believers in Christ is to pour out his grace and his goodness on them. Did you know that is true of you? If you have heard and believed and put your faith in Christ, God's will for you is that he wants to pour out his grace and his goodness on you. Daily, he wants to pour out his grace and his goodness on you. Hebrews 13 verse 9, the writer to the, that, of that letter says this, he says, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited, not benefited those who are devoted to them. Andrew Wilson tweeted about this yesterday on this verse, and he said this, he said, as surely as you eat breakfast, get strengthened by grace. As surely as you eat breakfast, get strengthened by grace. Grace is not just a means to get in. It's not just a way to access God. Grace means it, it daily draws us back. Grace enables us daily to look to God. Grace daily enables us to depend on God. It enables us to say, I don't need to earn God's favour. It means that whatever I'm facing today, I am loved, I am known, I am wanted, I am called, I am accepted. It's not sentimental or wishy-washy. Grace is the foundation upon which we stand. And grace, the grace of God and the goodness of God is what strengthens our hearts daily. I was thirsty the other day, so I had a drink. I had a big pint of juice and I took my first gulp. And I took my first gulp and then I just started gulping and gulping and gulping until I'd finished the whole of that glass. And I thought at the end, I thought, do you know what? I didn't realise quite how thirsty I was until I, until I started drinking. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. You start drinking, you're like, man, I'm really, really thirsty. And I feel like when it comes to the grace of God, when we start to drink of the grace of God, we realise, do you know what? I realise just how thirsty I am for the grace of God. And as I was reading through these verses and as I've pondered on them this week, I've just found I want to spend more time resting in the goodness of what Paul is declaring. 
because it's made me realize just how thirsty I am and how needy I am for the grace of God on the day-to-day basis. And sometimes we can walk through life not really drinking of the goodness of God, just trying to go about each day, rushing around because there's always stuff to be doing. And oftentimes it comes from a good place and with good intentions. But we can be so quick to to be doing that we forget just to be and just to rest in what God has done and to drink of his goodness and to drink of his grace that sometimes we don't realise actually how thirsty we are until we come back and, and drink of his grace once again. And I just really want to encourage you, keep drinking of his grace. Keep feeding on his grace. As surely as you eat breakfast, get strengthened by his grace. And I, when, as I was drinking that drink, it was just, it wasn't a small sip. It was gulp after gulp after gulp. And doesn't Paul tell us in this letter that God's grace is not sprinkled on us? He says it's been lavished upon us. Lavished. To my mind, there's there's no measure to that. It's just been poured out and poured out upon us. And how does Paul respond to God's grace and God's goodness? He responds with praise. God had changed him from the inside out. He had utterly transformed him. And we see here and we see throughout his other letters. Where does Paul start? He starts with this declaration of praise, of glorifying God for who he is and for what he's done, for what God has done in his life. But for what is true of all of those, for all of us who put our faith and our trust in Jesus. And this is important that we understand this because we'll see if we hopefully would have noticed this is a theme that comes through even in these first 14 verses is that God's ultimate purpose through redemption is the praise of his glorious name. His ultimate person through redemption is the praise of his glorious name. That showed itself out in Paul's life. He was constantly glorifying God for what God had done in his life. He was constantly glorifying God for how God had united Jews and Gentiles. It doesn't matter. There's no slave nor free. There's no Uh, There's no Jew or Gentile. Uh, There's no male or female. All of those barriers have gone. And Paul brings all of it back to God and glorifies him because of what God has done. You know, we've been saved for a purpose. Phil Moore puts it like this. He says that we've been invited to become part of a new community that he is creating to display his glory. Did you know that that is what God has done in your life, that that is what God has called you to do as we gather together with brothers and sisters, forming this new community that he is creating. He's creating it to display his glory. We have been called to display the glory of God. That is, that is hard to get our heads around sometimes. But that is God's heart for you. That is God's will for you, that through you, he would be glorified. Acts 1, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. This is my purpose for you to make me known. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and what? And give glory to your father who is in heaven. Something similar in 1 Peter 2, 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and what? And glorify God on the day of visitation. John 13, Jesus says this, 
by this people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another you see when we live in accordance with god's will when we display the family likeness god is honored and god is glorified that is what he has called us to do that is his purpose for us you know as a church we'd spend time teaching and investing into witness and praying into Jesus being made known and people getting saved and thinking about ways in which we can serve our community ways in which we love our neighbor but all of these things always have to be a response to God's goodness and God's grace upon us don't get so busy doing that we neglect to rest in the goodness of God and in the grace of God remember we sit before we walk we sit in the goodness of God and in the grace of God before we then do the things that he has called us to do before we do those things uh, that display his glory just what I'm going to come into close now but I just want to take us back to to where I started where God has really been provoking me and challenging me about not being so busy that I neglect to enter into the goodness of the moment because I feel that what Paul is calling us to in these letters is to fully enter into the goodness of what God has done for us don't stay on the edges of God's goodness and of God's grace live there live there daily live in the goodness of God live in the grace of God Jesus himself said didn't he he said abide in me abide in me rest in me live here with me paul first went to ephesus found 12 individuals who then went on to establish the church and to church plant all over the place and that was in 53 AD i think sort of 7 8 years later he wrote this letter to the church in ephesus but he has not moved away from god's grace he has not said actually let's think about all the things that you should have been doing you you've understood grace and you've learned about grace let's you know we're we're 8 years down the line now from where we started what else do we need to be doing it's like no he does he talks to us about what it looks like to walk <coughs> to walk well for god but he starts again with grace and he starts again with the goodness of god and this is the starting point for us the starting point each day <coughs> jerry bridges said this in his book the discipline of grace he says that the gospel is not only the most important message in all of history it is the only essential message in all of history yet we allow thousands of professing christians to live their entire lives without clearly understanding it and experiencing the joy of living by it every day of our christian experience should be a day of relating to god on the basis of his grace alone we are not only saved by grace but we also live by grace every day that's what paul is drawing us drawing our attention to don't stay on the edges of god's grace don't stay on the edges of god's goodness 
live there. Live each day from that place. Last week at the end of our meeting, I just wanted, I shared hopefully something to encourage you that's really come out of, again, something that I feel God has been stirring in me. Thinking about how do I start my day? Am I so quick to jump into what needs to be done? Am I so quick to jump on my phone and see what people are doing on social media or see what's in the news? Actually, I'm feeling challenged and provoked by this. I want each day actually to be lived out from a place of God's grace and God's goodness. That whatever I face in that day, I've started off from my attention fixed on God, on what he's done for me, from a place of praise and worship. And I want to encourage you this week. I've just, I've spent a bit of time on these verses 1 to 14. Don't think, right, we've done 1 to 14. Let's get thinking ahead to what comes next week. Can I encourage you, dwell in these verses these week, this week. Come back to these verses in this week. And just marinate, <laughs> marinate in them. Just rest in it. What does it say about you? What does it say about what God has given to you? What does it say about what God has credited to you? But then also let's think about how is that true? Who is the one who initiated it? How has it been credited to us? Whose will and purpose is it being worked out? And just as Paul in, in these verses is singing the goodness of God, may I encourage you this week, sing of the goodness of God in your life. Sing about the grace of God in your life. Turn it back to worship. Turn it back to praise. Give him the glory because he alone is worthy of all praise and glory. Amen. So we're going to come and we're going to sing the song that we sung last week that just is really about singing of the goodness of God. Now I'll just give you a moment to get that set up. Let's sing this as, as a response. Let's sing this as a declaration of our hearts. But may I just pray? Lord God, we just want to say your word is rich. It is full of truth, life-giving truth about your goodness, about your grace, about your kindness, about your mercy. And Lord, as we've looked at just 14 verses in the whole of scripture, there is so much in here that isn't just about doing us good or it's not a pep talk that just lifts us up. This is life-changing truth about who we are, who you've made us to be in Jesus. And yet, as, so, as Paul so helpfully reminds us, he draws us back to you. None of this is about anything we've done to earn or deserve it. It is all a gift of your grace, of your wisdom, of your insight, of your plans, of your purposes, from before the foundation of the world. That will be accomplished and fulfilled in the fullness of time, the, the, the inheritance that we will receive and attain full possession of when that day comes. It's all of you, and yet, God, by your grace, because of your love, you've called us into something so wonderful. <coughs> Lord, I pray that you would help us daily to live in the goodness of what you've done, to live in the goodness of who you are, <coughs> excuse me, to live in the goodness of grace, 
that we would never get so caught up in, in busyness and hurry. And oftentimes it can be for good things that we actually forget to enter into the goodness of who you are and what you've done. So we pray daily that we would find our strength of heart in you. As surely as we eat breakfast, would we be strengthened, would our hearts be strengthened by grace? Lord, I pray that for each one of us over the coming weeks and the coming months, as we seek to just dwell upon your truth, as we turn it back to praise and glory, that we would find that evermore we are living in freedom, that evermore we are finding reasons to give you praise, that evermore we are living in ways that bring glory to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.